Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Bitchipedia Podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. I wanted to share with you guys a couple of the things that I wrote down in my journal, basically my weekly notes that were themes that I was going through and kind of working through throughout the week. So the first one is simple enough, being patient. You are right where you are supposed to be. That was a big, repetitive theme throughout the week. And it's been for, you know, several weeks and months that I I often feel like I am reaching for these big goals. And when I, I haven't achieved them yet, the biggest goal, right? Let's say it's moving to New York and I've taken steps toward that. You know, let's say it's a one mile marathon to New York and I'm a, a quarter of the mile through, then that's where I'm at right now is I've made progress. But then when I look at it, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not in New York yet. I must be a failure. (laughs) That's kind of the energy that's been happening for me is seeing, um, I kind of just want to get the goal achieved. And that's always been kind of the thing for me is I can fall into that pattern of, and I think it comes from perfectionism as well, I can fall into that pattern of reaching for my goals and just wanting to accomplish them just for the accomplishment's sake and not actually enjoying the journey of getting there. So for yoga, let's use that as an example. In the morning when I woke up this morning, it was kind of something that I wanted to check off my list. You know, it's like, well, I need to start doing yoga again in the mornings and really implementing it into my routine because I hurt my knee and, I, you know, I had to take a several weeks, months break. Uh, before I could really do anything and fully get into the flow of yoga. And honestly, I was I was scared because I was afraid I was going to re-injure myself. So I moved very gently through it. And that caused a lot of frustration because I'm a yoga teacher. You know, I'm doing inversions. I'm upside down on my head. I'm doing all these things. And then I got stuck back at, you know, the very beginning stages. And I lost a little bit of that momentum. And that was obviously very frustrating So I used that as kind of a benchmark that I was comparing myself to, even though I wasn't comparing myself to anyone else, I was comparing myself to my past self. It still felt like, it felt like frustration of like, why can't I get back to that point? You know, I used to be able to do these things and I would just push and push and push. And sometimes it doesn't matter. This is my body. This is an injury we're talking about. You can't use aggression, you know, and just pure determination To get to where you want, your body has to heal. So, like, time is part of the process. Time is part of the alchemy. And I have to remember that. So, that's how I feel now in reaching for these big goals. Sometimes I want to get them accomplished and I forget that it's in the journey. Same thing with my 30 days of yoga. You know, obviously day 30 is fantastic. And it's full of these rich moments where, you know, sometimes I'm, like, crying on the mat. But that's only because... I spent days 1 through 29 building up toward that day 30 moment. You understand what I'm saying? If I get that instant gratification, it's like, well, it's not as satisfying as if you really worked for it. And that's it seems like something annoying that your parents would say. It's like, well, you just got to work for it. Otherwise, you're not going to appreciate it. But it's honestly true. <laughs> Don't ever tell them I said that. But it's true. So I I realized in this moment I need to be patient with myself, remembering that I am right where I need to be, even if this is not final destination for me. I want to know that I am kind of savoring the moment and savoring the process. 
Because actually, let me tell you something. I went to go see a friend and I was watching this two-part documentary about the 1996 NBA draft. (laughs) I don't know how. It just randomly came on shuffle on his TV. And then I watched it for two hours. I watched the whole thing. And I was listening to these people because I was like, this is, you know, these are good people to study as far as behavioral patterns and embodying how they felt. Whereas these are even young kids, because that was kind of the whole point of the documentary was there was a lot of high schoolers who were coming in and kind of replacing these older, more mature people who, you know, had gone through college and whatever they had been practicing. And a lot of the younger kids being like, am I ready for this? But I'll tell you, this was all, it didn't interview with the players like present day. And all of them were saying, you know, nothing compares to that moment. Like you spend your career chasing that high that you got from that first, you know, draft, like being chosen, having your name calling, you're chasing that high constantly. Nothing compares to it. And I try to remember that because I know that that's the case. I've listened to enough successful people talk about like, yeah, obviously the success is great and, you know, you're doing it for lots of money. Obviously that's amazing. But they often refer back to the days of when they were doing it just out of pure passion. You know, it's uh, Jeff Bezos in the garage or Steve, (laughs) whoever is Steve Jobs um, in the garage before, you know, when they're building their business that's the moment that I'm having right now. And I know that I will eventually look back at it and just remember the pure passion that was driving me through this and how I was kind of trying to navigate different things. Which brings me to the next thing that I learned is that you can course correct as you go. So realizing that this is kind of that moment of trial and error. I'm I'm figuring things out, but it's kind of beautiful because once you have it figured out, it's like, oh, well, this is boring. I want to get to the next part, you know? And I I kept telling myself that I liked routine, I liked stability, I liked structure, but that's not necessarily true because I do get bored rather easily. You know, I like some things to be a bit monotonous, but only so I can kind of rest and relax until the periods of, you know, spiking up that I don't know, you know, learning new things and I don't know what's going to happen. When all of that ramps up, it's nice to have a nice stable place to come back to. But I don't like having things just repeat over and over and over again. I get bored. And I'm learning that as I allow myself to evolve, obviously it's taking practice and it's still something that's new, but I'm allowing myself to fail and allowing myself to mess up because... Like I said, the next part is course correcting. Overcorrecting is part of the process. So I was terrified that my mistakes would be fatal. You know, every mistake felt like life or death. So I was terrified to mess up. I didn't allow myself to mess up. But you have to. You have to fail in order to move forward. You have to see what's working and what's not working. And rather than seeing things as a failure... You just say, okay, well, maybe we tweak it next time. And that's part of the process. And that's the part of the process that I'm trying to lean into. And rather than being so resistant to it, because it is not something that comes naturally to me, you know, like allowing myself to mess up and be messy and fail. That's not something that I was really allowed to do as a child. It was, you know, always perfection over progress. Who cares? Like find something perfect it, and stick with that for the rest of your life. And that's just not the way I operate. So I've been leaning into that. You know, I did um, a whole episode about overcorrecting and 
all that. So that was still the residual effects of all that was kind of working itself out this week. And then the next thing that I wanted to cover was spiritual bypassing, because that was something that was really coming up for me a lot was, I honestly, it was in a different person. And I recognized that it was a trigger for me and recognized that it doesn't really have anything to do with this person, but it's triggering something in me. And I kind of had to sit with it because I felt a lot of spiritual bypassing. And I know I've definitely done it before. And I mean, was probably doing it again. That's probably why it triggered me or I was afraid of doing it. But I saw um, one person who just was triggering a lot of that, like spiritual bypassing. And if you don't know what that means, it basically just means using your spiritual beliefs to overcome um, emotions and not even processing them, but just kind of pushing them away. So that might look like, you know, Someone telling you to meditate about it, which is great advice. Like, I love meditation. It changed my life. But when you're feeling some kind of way about something really traumatic or something really sad and someone says, well, maybe you should just meditate about it. Like, no, you're going to experience sad feelings. And one of the things I realized and wrote down was just because you're sad does not mean that you're on the wrong path or that you're out of alignment. And that was something, like I said, this person was really triggering it in me. And I, I kind of had to figure out where I stood on this because let me give you an example. One of the things that they would do a lot was correcting your uh, vocabulary, which obviously words are important. We've talked about this before, too. You know, rewording things can sometimes be very helpful. So I'm not trying to take away from that, but... When someone comes to you and tells you, I'm having a really hard time, and your first response is to be like, don't say hard, don't say hard, hard, it's not a hard time, say that this, you know, it's not easy, or this is, um, you know, and using all these different phrases, that's just the first example that came to my head, but spiritual bypassing is thinking that you can use your spiritual practices to just bypass any emotions, that you can meditate your way through grief and never really have to experience it and get in the trenches and thinking that, you know, sad, sadness, or I was going to say sad emotions or quote, bad emotions, things like depression or anger, thinking of them as low vibration feelings. That's a big thing that spiritual bypassers will do is they try to avoid any quote, low vibration emotions. But it's just part of the journey and you can't, I'll tell you what happens if you bypass them. It doesn't, they don't go away. They come back more aggressively. And that's probably what happened with the thing that's coming up for me now, which I'm going to talk about on the podcast on another time. Um, something happened with my ex a year ago and it was really traumatic. And I think I've alluded to it on the podcast before, but it was really, really traumatic, and I was like, I'm not even capable of dealing with this, and I put it in a box and shoved it to the back of my brain, and that wasn't even, I would say, I, that wasn't spiritual bypassing. That was like putting my grief on a shelf because I couldn't handle it, compartmentalizing, and that's part of the process, just like spiritual bypassing is part of the process. It can be, you know, you just have to notice it, bring your awareness to it, and then pull yourself out and say, okay, I'm not going to pray this away. I'm not just going to meditate this away or try to positive affirmation this out of my life, but to just kind of sit in. And again, not until you're ready, but I think now the the time is kind of coming up that I have to take this thing out of the box, this emotional thing 
out of the box and deal with it. And I have been, and I'm going to continue to do so. But when I did that, obviously a lot of sadness came with it. And I think it's a a mistake for you to say, okay, well, you know, if you want to be happy, like all you have to do is think positive thoughts and just don't think about the sad thing. Like obviously people come and go, you know, and it's like, those are all really it's what they call toxic positivity. And I know some people have different opinions on that as well. It's like, can there be toxic positivity? I think so. And I've gone back and forth on this, like I said, you know, over the last couple of years, because in the spiritual community, you see it a lot of people trying to, you know, stay positive, which obviously is important. But again, I think that Um, it is unwise to put things in a box and think that you can meditate until it just dissolves and one day you're going to open the box and it'll be empty and you'll be like, oh, well, I guess I dealt with that. Like, not how it works. (laughs) And then also this week I proved, I wrote this down, proving sad girls can still be rich because I had one of the best weeks at work. Even on the slow days, I was still making a lot of money. Um, And it basically reinforced the idea that money does not equal abundance, but abundance brings in money. So like I said, I was feeling sadness, but that didn't mean that I was out of alignment. And that's why I kept getting confused. I was like, money's still coming in. Like I'm still making a lot of money, but I'm sad. This doesn't make any sense. And it's because you're allowed to be sad and you're still going to get money. Don't think that sadness is going to keep money away from you because look at tons of celebrities who are rich and are unhappy, right? Or commit suicide. Like it does not bring you, money doesn't bring you abundance. But because I was getting in this abundance mindset and really being okay with like, I'm sad and that's okay. Money's still coming in. Everything is still safe. I am not my thoughts and feelings. I'm just holding this sadness for now. That gave me a lot more peace. And then I was able to kind of work through it. And now I can feel myself working my way back up that kind of emotional scale. And then another thing that I recognized as well was that I have been unmasking and really sitting in longer periods of time where I'm unmasked. So I wrote down staying in my authenticity for longer periods of time, even when it makes me unlikable to someone. Now, this is a big one because if you're a people pleaser or if you've masked in the past, you might know this as well. It's easier to smooth things over. It's not easier in the long run. That's why we're actually repressing our needs and emotions. But in uh, this is the survival technique that we have learned in arguments or times of discomfort when, you know, there's friction between people. It's easier for us to just snap on whatever mask we know. And you know, if you're neurodivergent or even a people pleaser um, who masks, you know, what mask you need to put on in what situation. We become professionals at this, right? So something happened at work and I was, I wasn't even mean, but I didn't go above and beyond to be like nice and bubbly. And I could feel that discomfort. I felt like I had done something wrong, but realistically I knew I've done nothing wrong. You know, I'm allowed to have my feelings and I'm allowed to be unlikable. Like it is safe to be not liked by everyone in the room, which if you would have told me that a couple years ago, I would have been like, that's absolutely not true. (laughs) Like, there's no way that's true. But 
that's what I was doing was sitting in that um, energy of like, okay, well, I'm going to make some people upset. It is going to be okay if not everyone here likes me. And that's why I was feeling a lot of sadness too. And a lot of discomfort was because I was staying in my authenticity for longer periods of time. And even though that had what you might see as like a negative, quote unquote, negative effect in the moment, it gets easier and it made me feel better at the end of the day to say like, that is truly who I am. And if people don't like that, then that's okay. All that has to happen is I have to be able to go home and look in the mirror and deal with myself. And that happened. Like when I went home, I was totally okay with who I had been that day. And that's like, that's my authentic self. And if I can practice being in that, I think it'll get easier But yeah, of course, like I'm overcoming people pleasing tendencies. Of course, I'm uncomfortable. Right. Um, And I'm working on a lot of these things are like major issues for me. So I'm working on some really, really heavy and dense lessons right now. So again, of course, I'm going to be drained and I'm trying to give myself a lot of grace and a lot of space to feel any emotion that I'm feeling. And of course, it's uncomfortable in the moment, but I know that I'm doing what's best for me. And I feel good about it in the same way that you would feel good about going to the gym, but still being sore. Like, yeah, obviously it hurts right now, but I know that the hurt is not going to last forever and that it's going to pay off. Like, this is just, you know, when they're like, pain is weakness, leaving the body. That's what this feels like. It's like I'm releasing a lot of these um, old limiting beliefs And it's just uncomfortable because it's leaving my body. I'm clearing it and that's okay. Um, And then the last thing is analysis paralysis. I think I told you last week that one of my tough love friends basically said, make a decision and stick to it and then don't rationalize it before and after. It's the the rationalization and the indecision that is the punishment or the torture So think if you've ever seen The Good Place, Cheaty from The Good Place, where he's always back and forth. He can't make a decision. He's like, what should I do? Should I do this? And he studies philosophy. Like, I resonate so much with Cheaty. And it's funny because when I first watched it, I was like, Cheaty is definitely a Libra. And now I'm like, fuck, I hate how much I'm actually resonating with Cheaty and Libras in general. I don't want to talk about it. But his whole thing is the indecision is his torture. So that's how I feel. It's like I I was doing it. I didn't even realize it until my friend pointed it out that I would I'd basically try to convince people beforehand that what I'm doing is right. So let's say I make a decision to go see this person. Just good or bad, doesn't matter. It's completely neutral. I make the decision to go see the person. It doesn't matter because that's my decision, right? There is no right or wrong. The punishment and the torture is coming from All the calls that I make to my friends before looking for the validation and the permission to make the decision that I've already made. Like I've already decided that I'm going to this guy's house, but now I'm just looking for the validation. And when I don't get it, um, I'm upset. And then when I do get it, it doesn't make me feel any better because, you know, it's not their decision. It's mine. So there's that. And then after I do it. I would feel the shame and the regret because I punish myself for whatever decision I make because I kept thinking there's a right or wrong decision. So I would call my friends after and basically ask them for permission or forgiveness after the fact. And 
want to be, I don't want to, I mean, there's really no way, it makes me sound so codependent and like, I, I, I don't like this part of myself. I was going to say I hate this part of myself, but I'm doing IFS. There's no bad parts. So this part of myself, I need to nurture, but she is in exile. She is the wounded part of me that needs permission before and forgiveness after that validation after of like, I made the right decision. And then even if I get it, like I said, even when I get it, I don't believe the people I'm like, Oh, whatever. They're just telling me what I want to hear. So there's really no winning. And the whole time I don't enjoy the thing that I made the decision to do anyway, because I'm too busy punishing myself before and after the fact I'm not actually living in the present moment. So that's what I did. I went over to see this person, um, went to their house and was like, you know what, like what, what actually would happen if I didn't ask any permission before I went over there, enjoyed myself, didn't think that the world was trying to punish me. Right. And just laid up for a couple of hours. I watched, that's where I watched this documentary, this two part documentary while I was like sleeping, cuddling, wrapped up in this man's giant muscles, which is what I wanted in the first place. My whole thing was like, I needed to check in before and ask myself, what are you doing this for? What are you looking to get out of it? Because if it was an emotional connection, it was going to be a failure because that is not what this person is to me. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? This is still um, a cord that I have, an attachment that I have that is not about emotions, but physical. And does it scratch that itch anymore? I don't know. But that's something I had to allow myself to figure out rather than to call my friends and ask their opinion and basically fucking take a poll before I decided. So I didn't call anyone before to ask. I just did it. I went over there and I was like, what if you just enjoy present moment? What if you don't look for anything other than what you're getting right here and right now? And it was amazing. And then I left and I didn't call anyone and look for um, validation or try to apologize for like, oh, well, I should have gone over there. I knew I shouldn't have gone over there. Like, he's bad for me because is he, you know, or is he only bad if I go over there looking for an emotional connection, which that is the answer. And then me going over there for purely physical reasons, I would have labeled that before as like bad, but I let that fall away too. And I saw it. This is IFS, by the way, the internal family systems therapy. That's this part is like, okay, well, there's just a part of me. There's some part of me inside that feels like it needs this connection to feel better for whatever that reason is. So that's what I did. I checked in with that part of me and said, what is it that you're looking for? What is it that you think you need? And as I heal that part, maybe I won't have to go over there anymore. Right? And maybe I don't go over there anymore again. I don't know. But it's the shaming and the labeling and the judgment that causes issues. So rather than me saying like, you're weak for going over there and all this does is set you back. All I did was take that power away and say, okay, well, if you want to go, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. And then again, like I said, these life or death, it felt like life or death situations suddenly lost their power. (laughs) And it's like, okay, you can do what you want because you're a grown-up, right? I'm a grown-up. And I forget that sometimes, that I'm allowed to do what I want. And I didn't trust myself to make the decisions that were best for me. 
I didn't trust myself to stay out of dangerous situations because I thought everything was dangerous. And then that was another thing that I asked myself, like, what if just for the day you imagine that there are no threats, that your life is not in danger, basically pulling myself out of that trauma response mentality and my, what is it, parasympathetic nervous system? I can't ever remember which one's which, but fight or flight, basically. What if I just allowed myself to zoom out and assume that no one who tried to talk to me throughout the day was trying to kill me. (laughs) And I know that sounds like it's dramatic, but I swear to God, that's what it feels like. And if you know, you know, especially being a woman, a lot of times you're on the defense anyway, because you're afraid like, you know, being alone with a man in a building or being alone with a guy in a parking lot, like those feel like dangerous situations for obvious reasons, right? So I asked myself, what if you just assumed that you were safe How would you operate? And then I operated in that way. And things started working out and coming together. And that doesn't mean that I didn't feel sadness. That doesn't mean that I didn't feel discomfort. And that doesn't mean that it was the quote unquote right decision. It was just a decision. And that was the challenge for the week. Was not to get stuck in analysis paralysis. And not to go back and forth with indecision. Because that's the punishment. So I said, okay, well, let's just make a decision. We'll worry about whether it was good for us or bad for us after. But we've never done this. By we, I mean I. (laughs) I've never done this. Trusting myself to make the right decision. Or honestly, trusting myself to make the wrong decision. And still being able to bounce back from that. So... If I look at it that way, this week was a win, right? (laughs) And I'll reassess from here, but that's kind of what I have to do is take it moment by moment, step by step, and reassess as I go, which is what we talked about last week with the overcorrecting, the course correcting, and that it's okay to mess up because that's kind of just part of the process. So I want to encourage all of you, if this resonates with you, I'm sending all of the good energy to you. It's okay to be sad. You're not on the wrong path just because you're feeling sadness. You're not out of alignment just because you feel anger. Use those emotions as kind of roadmaps to show you where you need to move. Because if we use our emotions as indicators of how we need to operate in our lives rather than the kind of person that we are, they kind of lose their power over us and it feels really good. And it's, of course, like I said, we're not bypassing. We're going to sit in the feelings for as long as they last. But this is me telling you, they don't last as long as you think they're going to last. So I hope that helped you guys. The last thing, by the way, the last thing I wrote down is the answer is right in front of your face. So this is just a friendly reminder too, is oftentimes we're searching and looking everywhere for the answers when really they're sitting right in front of your face. So take what resonates with that, leave what doesn't. I hope you guys have an amazing week. Allow yourself to mess up. And of course, follow me always. Follow me on any social media. I'll put my link tree in the bio. Follow me on TikTok at the Dahlia Bradshaw. Um, And that's all. I love you guys so much. Have a good week. Bye.